0: We're going to talk for just a few minutes this morning about love. In the fall of 1984, I was a senior in high school and playing on the varsity football team. Just kidding. I'm not going to tell a story like that. We're going to talk about love because love is the single most important thing, period. Amen. Period. Love is the most important thing. Love is everything. I don't care if you're graduating high school in a couple of weeks and you are heading off to college or you're going to backpack around Europe, you know, whatever you're doing today, you need to be reminded that love is everything if you're starting a new family, if you're moving to a new town, if you're uh, about to start a new thing this summer, if you're going to start a new week today, and that's all of us, right? We all need to be reminded that love is the ways and the means and the goal, period. Love is the point and the purpose, period. Love is what compels our every thought. Love is what motivates our every action. Love drives and decides every single choice we make, period. As children of God and followers of Christ, it's not love, but. It's never love, maybe. It's not love under certain conditions. It is always love, period. In Matthew 22, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, verse 34 says the Pharisees got together. They're going to take a shot at our Lord. One of them, a lawyer, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The Lord's command is that you love God with everything you've got every day, all the time. In other words, love the Lord your God, period. Because God is love. His nature is love. His will is love. God's very name as he reveals it to us throughout scripture is abounding love, lavish love. Love. That's who he is. God is love. And because God is love, if you put anything else before love, then you're putting that something before God. If you do anything that's not love, then you're doing something that's not what God wants you to do. If I put myself, if I put my security or my status or my influence or my control or my comfort, if I put anything about myself in front of the love of God, then that's idolatry. That's narcissism, which is the oldest form of idolatry. It's the thing we struggle with the most, I would say, every day, maybe even every hour narcissism this this idolatry of self you know when somebody shows you a group picture a group photo the first thing you do is look for yourself right it's the first thing you do Where am I? Oh, you can't see me very well because Larry's standing right in front of me, you know? We all do this, right? All the lighting is terrible. We look at ourselves first. We had a meeting last week of everybody that's going on this trip to Israel with us here in a couple of weeks. And everybody wanted to make sure when we get back from Israel, we're going to be able to share all of our photos. And I'm like, good grief, we're going to take like 1,500 photos each. Do we really want to see all those photos? And the whole group's, yeah, yeah, we want to see all of them. I'm telling you right now, I don't want to see all 19 angles you've got of that eastern wall of the synagogue in Capernaum, but if you've got a picture with me in it, I want to see it, (laughs) right, and so we kind of came up to that with that idea, we're going to share just the photos that have people in them because that's what we want to see, we all want to see ourselves, we're very impressed with our own image, have you noticed this, like when you're looking for friends, you want to see your own image reflected back to you in your friends, or maybe who you want to be. That's who you want your friends to be. When you're looking for entertainment, you're going to choose movies and choose music that reflect your taste and your image and what you enjoy and your preferences and your beliefs. When you're looking for a church, you want a church where you see your own image reflected back from the people in the pews and maybe even the guy in the pulpit and maybe even in the style of worship. We are very enamored with ourselves and that's a problem for us because if we're not careful we can start to think that that we're all that right we we can fall in love with ourselves even there's a there's an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry falls in love with this woman he had just met earlier that day and he's telling Kramer all about her and he's like you know we just started talking and it was like a dream she's just like me he says, she, she thinks like I do. She talks like I do. She acts like I do. She even ordered cereal in the restaurant just like me. And then Jerry goes, wait a second. I think I know what's happening here. Now I know what I've been looking for all these years. I've been waiting for myself to come along. And now I've swept myself off my feet that's narcissism right and it's a form of idolatry and it is so dangerous for us it can actually keep us from a supreme devotion to and love of God but a sin that is just as dangerous or maybe even more dangerous is group narcissism idolatry of the group I'm in Whatever the group is, if it's a political group or a religious group or a racial group or a socioeconomic group, it's an idol if it steals any of your allegiance away from God. And we're all susceptible to this. We always default to believing that our group is better than all the other groups. My race is superior. My political party is righteous. My church is correct. See how this works? And if we're not careful, and and church, I think we have to be so diligent about this. Our devotion to a group can displace our primary love for God. Because when God's agenda comes into conflict with our group's agenda, we're tempted to uphold the, the values and the ways and means of the group over the values and the ways and means of our God. And they will come into conflict. They absolutely will. Because loving God is the biggest threat to group narcissism. The groups can't handle it. When you love God first and most, what you're saying is there's another power. There's a higher authority. There's an eternal one to whom all individuals and all groups must bow. And that flies right in the face of the narcissistic values of our culture. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is again being questioned by a lawyer. And he says, of all the commandments, this is in verse 28, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus says, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Verse 34, from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Well, yeah, that answers all the questions. We love God first and most. And what that means is we're proclaiming that God has no equal. He has no peer. God alone is God. And so we cannot seek to find our worth or find our meaning or our identity in our groups. Our true value, our true calling and purpose and identity is always found in loving God. Period. Love the Lord your God. Period. And love your neighbor. Period. Verse 31, we're still in Mark 12. The second is this, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. I'd love to be the one to look at Jesus and go, hey, I think you're right. (laughs) Well said. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, well that's more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus says, there is no greater commandment. Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on this. And so everything God ever said, everything that God ever wanted, all of it starts right here. It's all supported by this right here. Love your neighbor as yourself, period. Around that table on that last night with his disciples, Jesus says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. He's talking about this divine love from heaven that gives life. And Jesus points to this life-giving love, and he says, that's how I love you, and that's how you are to love others, all others. Love each other as I have loved you. That's the most important thing. So, it behooves us to ask, how does Jesus love us? How are we loved by the Lord? Well, think about that. Jesus doesn't say, I'll love you if you treat me right. He doesn't say, I'll love you when you decide to straighten up and get your act together. Jesus does not say, I'll love you if. Jesus' love for you is not conditioned that way at all. It is not dependent upon your right behavior or your good performance. Jesus' love says, I'll die for you while you're my enemy. I'll save you while you're a sinner. I'll give my life up for you while you're only thinking about yourself. Now, you go love others that same way. Not love maybe, not love probably not love under certain circumstances it's love others period jesus talked about this all the time he's he's preaching in luke chapter four he's in his hometown church in nazareth and man they are loving him jesus is hearing amens he's hearing preach on all that kind of stuff right and you can almost hear the people in the church hey this is our guy This is Joseph's kid. I remember his senior Sunday at this synagogue. We signed his scroll, you know, that's what's happening here. And then the group narcissism kicks in. Jesus, do something just for us. Do a miracle here in your hometown. Do something just for us. And Jesus says, no way. I'm going outside the group, I'm working outside the camp. Let me quote your own scriptures to you. Jesus says, let me remind you of your own stories. And he says, God is bringing his salvation to all people. All the people outside your tight little circles. All the people who live in different places and in different ways than you. People your culture tells you to hate. I'm telling you to love. Because our God is bringing all of them in. And the people are like, who is this guy? Is he crazy? We we probably should kill him. And they try to throw Jesus off a cliff. That's why we cannot root our identities in our groups. Because they'll turn on you like the West Texas weather. Can I get an amen on that? They will. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, you got to remember, Jesus ate and drank with lepers and prostitutes. He spent his time taking care of the foreigners and the poor. He protected the vulnerable people on the margins. And he stood by those who'd been accused. Jesus reminds us in Matthew of the commandment not to kill. And then he says, by the way, you can't even get angry. He tells you that when somebody hits you, you need to turn the other cheek. He tells you don't just tolerate your enemies, but you must love your enemies. Listen, church, these are hard teachings. This is a very difficult thing that the Lord Jesus has put in front of us. This is a path that very few have chosen. As G.K. Chesterton famously wrote, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it's been found difficult and left untried. You know, it's so loud right now in this country. People seem so Angry and mean and divisive and condemning. And the idea of loving has mostly been set aside. Love, period. Just love, period. First John chapter 4. This is what we read around the table earlier. Verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The love that starts with the creator of heaven and earth flows to the sun, and then Jesus takes that same love, and he showers it on us, and then he tells us to show that same divine love to others. This heavenly love is completed. God's love is fulfilled when we give it to others. We're the last link in this divine chain of God's love. What this verse says is God's love has not fulfilled its purpose. God's love has not done its work until it's coursing through his people and it's being lavished on every man, woman, and child around All of everything, brothers and sisters, boils down to love. Love, that's where we find our ultimate fulfillment. This is where we realize our potential as God's children. Love. Our love for God and for others. Period. Now, be ready because you're going to suffer for it. You're going to be questioned you might be mistreated, maybe even ostracized. Don't be surprised when you lose the popularity contest when you decide to love God and others. Because love, period, as a commandment, as a commitment, as a way of life, it doesn't fly with this world and its groups. But our God is not a group. Our God is not a state. He is not an institution. Our God is not a party. He's not a possession. He is not a race. Hallelujah. Our God is the eternal creator of heaven and earth, and he is the loving father of us all, and his love is everlasting. His love is open and welcoming. It is inclusive and courageous and compassionate, and it has no fear. Love is never tears down, it always builds up. Love does not divide, it always unites. And love does not applaud leaders or groups who promote hate and bigotry and division and violence as a way to get things accomplished. Love is humble, it's not arrogant. Love does not repay evil for evil. This is all 1 Corinthians 13, right? We know this. And I love the way 1 Corinthians 13 just makes it unmistakable. There's no arguing. It says all the preaching in the world, all the prophesying, all the giving means nothing. It's worthless. None of that has any value at all if there's not any love. Love is more important, it says, than faith and knowledge. Now think about that. This Bible says love is more important than hope and good works. Which means love takes precedent over our worship assemblies and over our church buildings. Love is more important than our budget meetings and any of our theological positions. This means love is bigger and church, it's more important than any issue that might be out there in our local papers or on the national news. And if that's true, and we know it is, then we as God's people have got to be more committed to loving God and loving others than we are to any of those issues amen Amen. may it be so we have got to place unconditional God ordained love in the primary position of our hearts and minds and this church all of our time and energy all of our passion and strength it's got to go to love period I'll finish in 1 John chapter 4 God is love. God is love. Period. And those who decide to love, if you decide to love, if you make that choice, I'm going to love, you'll become more like God. Whatever you do as a child of God, whatever you do as a follower of Jesus, make sure you love If anybody tells you to do otherwise, if you get any emails insisting that you forward something not loving, if any leader or group urges you to act in any way toward anybody or any other group that's unloving, then you know that person or that organization is not under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. So let's all make the decision right now to love. Let's just love period. Now, it won't be perfect love because we ain't perfect. It's not going to be a love that's untarnished by mistakes or misguided motivations. I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but you can decide. You can choose. Don't let anybody ever stop you from loving, period. I've decided I'm not gonna let anybody or anything kill my love for anybody. I'm gonna love you. I've already decided whether you like it or not. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love people I'm told not to love. Because if I don't love, I am cutting off the very expression of God's eternal nature from my body and soul. To not love, is to act the opposite of our Lord. And I don't want to be in that place. So I'm inviting all of us, all of us, let's, let's make a commitment right now, today. You know, you're about to graduate high school, or you're about to start a new job, you're about to have a new baby, or, or you're about to start a new week. Let's make the commitment right now to just love, love, period, right? Let's all, I think I've said this before, let's all just be like the sun. The sun just shines because that's what the sun does. It shines. Let's all be like the wind. The wind just blows because that's what the wind does. It blows a lot. Let's all just be like the dog. The dog barks because that's what dogs do. They bark. Let's all be like children of God. Let's love Because that's what children of God do. They just love, period. Amen. Stand with me, church. I'm going to read just a couple of more sentences from 1 John chapter 4. This is love. Right here it is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. We love Because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Let's sing, church. Mm